good time of the day and welcome to another episode of and when i say i mean i am your co-host austin and i am your other co-host adrian i'm trying to work on my radio introduction for these podcasts so i hope people will appreciate it or if you don't like radio this i hope you're not appreciating it then you mean like the the like tone and inflection of your voice yeah yeah um anyway welcome adrian thank you i see you're back from your vacation to not really a vacation but you're not in a hotel room today. no it wasn't a vacation i finished my training in connecticut i passed the exam so now i am Congrats. a certified lcs some i think i'm just certified lcs rep or something i don't know what that what the term is supposed to be so now i can qualify material that is coming from different sources okay yeah it's really exciting uh, what does that mean basically so say my company wants to either get raw material or a finished product or some kind of special process like a heat treat or a, some kind of welding or something like that done by another company or within our own company for that matter um, I would have okay. to there are special processes that are in place basically testing that needs to be done to ensure okay this material that I'm buying does indeed match the specifications set up by the Society of Aerospace Engineers and they say okay you can use this material for this process or you can this process is acceptable to be used on this material stuff like that so basically it's a way of saying that the material we're using is good quality material the processes we're using are good quality processes that are actually doing what we want to do and not altering the material or anything in a negative negative way. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. So I, this week I have now been working with um, some other people at work who previously have been doing this but are now they're shifting into a different role so I'm kind of shifting into their role. Um, as they're collecting material so basically when we get a shipment of raw material in we get a whole packet of information that says this is what the material is made out of this is the testing that was done here's the heat treating all of these things that were done and I'd go through and certify that it is up to specification hmm. sounds fun it's riveting hmm. is it uh, I mean, if you like going through papers and checking numbers and... No, but it's not like not literally riveting, though. No, riveting is probably... I was a, making a point. Yeah, I got it, I got it. Riveting could be a special process, but it's not actually riveting. Okay. Mm. No, no, we don't do a lot of riveting or any. So, yeah. So, it is neither literally or metaphorically riveting? Correct. Hopefully your boss doesn't listen to this. I don't think he does, but he would also probably agree, to be honest with you. Okay, that's good at least. <laughs> it's just one of those things that, like, just needs to get done. It's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, there are worse things in life I could be doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could be at Hershey. It's true. 
the sweetest place on earth? Mm. Question mark. That's what they say. <laughs> that is what they say. Yeah. Yep. Disagreement. Mm-hmm. I uh, finished my last class ever today. Nice. And I just got I just got news that our video got uh, a five star rating from our professor. I didn't so. know that you made a video. I didn't either until yesterday. Okay. No, I made it two days ago. Um, we had to make a promotional video for our group project that we did in this directed study. Mm -hmm. Our project was a baseline autonomous LIDAR or autonomous vehicle development platform. Um, that wasn't really our initial goal, but it turns out we needed to have more goals than we thought we did. Okay. Uh, so that became our goal. And then I made a two-minute promotional video about it, and I put it together, and uh, and then I put a background song on it, and that just it brings it really brings the whole thing together. It reminded me of our first podcast about Blade Runner, the secret one, uh -huh. um, with no music for the intro or outro. Yeah, our podcast uh, does have outro music. I assume it does. Right? Yeah. Okay, I've never listened to our podcast, so. <laughs> Um, but it really brings the whole thing together. Mm -hmm. It makes the awkward like pauses and the crackling kind of goes away in the backing music of the of the video. Nice. What I did, I just searched royalty free music and then clicked on the pop corporate mm -hmm. uh, division that showed up, and it was it was perfect. Nice. Thanks, Ben Sounds. Nice. Uh, get that plug in there. Speaking of anyway, thanks to Ben Sounds. Yeah. Oh, most of the other podcasts I listen to, not most of them, some of the podcasts I listen to, like, give shout-outs to the people who made the music. And I was like, oh, even though we got ours at royalty-free, do we should we still give a, him a shout-out? We maybe should. Maybe. We could put it on the website. Okay. Anyway, um, I once more watched Bad Christmas Movies this week. What'd you uh, watch? If you remember, I watched... Princess Switch last week. Yeah, I do we watched the Spirit of We watched the Spirit of Christmas this week, um, and the Spirit of Christmas is about a hardworking lawyer from Boston who breaks up with her boyfriend and then goes to appraise a old hotel in New England somewhere. Does the town? But little does she know, <laughs> this hotel is haunted. By the ghost of someone whose name I forget, he was a a rum runner uh, during Prohibition and was killed under mysterious circumstances, and now he haunts this hotel. But I was very frustrated. He haunts it as just a normal dude who teleports. Like he doesn't look like a ghost. <laughs> he doesn't float around. He can carry things. He eats things. So it just. I was very mad at that. Is he like a poltergeist? Uh, no. He's just a normal dude. He wants to be left alone. Uh, he he reappears. At the, he only haunts the hotel between um, the 12th and 24th okay. of of December. 12 uh, days because of Christmas? Shh. Um, spoilers. But yeah, so he... Uh, during this time that he's alive again, he just wants to be left alone in his mansion so he can mope about being killed and losing the woman he loved. Mm -hmm. um, but my fan theory is he's just a wizard 
who <laughs> apparates to convince people that he's a ghost um, and is doing it just for the sick pleasure of it. Uh, anyway, it's terrible. Uh, it's bad in very different ways than the Princess Switch is. Okay. The Princess Switch tries to be like too naturalistic in its dialogue and then just seems really bad. Okay. The pr- the Spirit of Christmas tries to be like too uh, verbose in its dialogue, so everyone just feels like they're an ancient, like preppy English person. Uh, so it's they're bad in different ways. Though I did really appreciate at the beginning, this guy's killed in December under mysterious circumstances, and when he falls. You see him lying in the snow, breathing his last breaths, and you can tell they're his last breaths because you see the mm. air frosting in and out of his mouth, and then there's nothing. And I was like, wow, that was actually kind of clever. That's a nice movie. touch. Yeah. We, uh, but it was still bad. Yeah, we watched, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's something along the lines of Rudolph Saves New Year's. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, I have now seen this movie twice. It's not really a movie. Okay. It's like a short. It's it's. I think it was made the year after Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer come out came out. Um, okay, trying to capitalize on that success. Yeah. Um, and literally, it is about Rudolph saving New Year's. Um, the the main using his glowing red nose. Um. Yes. The main problem... That's about all Rudolph has going for The him. main problem... He's got gumption. <laughs> okay. The main problem is that both times that I've seen this movie, I haven't really been able to listen to it because it's, like, going on at a mm. party and, like, everyone else is um, talking and chatting and the loud stuff going on. So what makes this movie even better is that I almost have heard none of the dialogue and have just only watched the movie. Um, So, basically... That makes it better. Yeah, no. I mean, it makes it, like, so much worse because I have no idea what's going on and I'm just, like, seeing it. Um, But essentially, um, Father Time is dying at the end of the year. It happens every year, and there's a oh. there's a baby that is born, and then becomes the next Father Time, and then throughout the year becomes goes from a baby to being an old man. Wow, that's like grotesque. Yeah, um, Father Time also holds a giant sickle. I don't really know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is he also dead? I don't know. I think maybe, but I can't. I don't know the answer to that question. Interesting. Um. So, but the baby is lost, and um, oh no, Rudolph needs to go to this time world where there are humans and animals made with clocks in them, um, and find Happy the baby. The baby's name is Happy. And, it's not Father Time. No. And New Year. When does he? When does he switch from Happy to Father Time? Once. Once he becomes. Once he gets back, he becomes Father. I don't know if no. he's even Father Time. But anyways, the New Year cannot come t- unless the baby's there. But the baby is lost, and and there are these islands 
there's a song about this ar- archipelago, about these islands that are from the past. The misfit toys. From like, oh. and and where these people, I think they're the old father times. I could be wrong. I thought they died. I thought so too. But so then Rudolph ends up going to these islands, and for some reason Rudolph can't fly now. But he flies yeah. later when all the reindeer are there, so I think he maybe he needs other reindeer. Anyways, long story short, they go to this other island. There's one where it's like back in like dinosaur time, and he meets this caveman. And the baby is at all of these islands, but then keeps like somehow avoiding him. <laughs> There's also this. Did the baby fly? No, the baby has no. big ears, which everybody laughs at him for. Like Dumbo. Yeah, kind of. And there's this vulture that is maybe that's how he flies. That is trying to get the baby for some reason. I think it's just a classic evil evil villain trope where they're just trying to like ruin New Year's or something like that. By, like Hort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like by stealing the baby. Um, are you just naming elephants now, or? No, there's a vulture in Horton that steals Whoville and drops it into the the giant grove of clover. Okay. I don't remember that. That part, was but... such a that was such a good reference. Okay. Um, long story short, the vulture takes the baby up to his hideout. Rudolph and his companions, who are a caveman, a knight, <laughs> um, and Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> You're thinking I'm making this up, but this is real. What? What happened to, like, Humpty Dumpty and Ulysses S. Sam? <laughs> Humpty Dumpty was in the movie, but... <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> but he didn't join them on the trip. So... Why not? Rudolph, the cave... Um, I don't know, because all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put him together because they were laughing at the baby's ears too long. Um, <laughs> That's so rude. Isn't Humphrey's like whole thing like you need to be accepting of weirdos in the previous movie? I thought that was also part of it, but it's it's different. I don't really know what the point of this movie is. Okay, I need to wrap this up. So, the vulture takes the baby, Rudolph, the caveman, the knight in shining armor, and Ben Franklin are climbing up this icy cave, uh, icy mountain to get to the baby they get trapped in giant snowballs because the vulture somehow had ice powers um rudolph is able to escape because of his glowing red nose he then they get basically they get up there and the baby takes his hat off and then the vulture's laughing at his ears and then they're able to escape um and then they bring the baby back and then new year's happens wait they succeed by mocking yeah this ugly baby yeah i thought wow. it was pretty i thought it was pretty rude yeah but yeah rudolph saves christmas and by that i mean new year's mm, interesting yeah then we watched um, Home so before i went to watch this bad christmas movie i spent a lot of time wrapping presents for disadvantaged children and speaking of wrapping the new <laughs> the top 50 albums wow of the year were released by npr uh this past week and that's what we're going to talk about. So, uh, what I was immediately struck by. So I, this wasn't what I was immediately struck by. What I was immediately struck by was um, how the two albums that I recommended the week before they came out were both on this list. Mm-hmm. But after that, I was like, "Oh wow, they're like top fifteen 
def at least the top ten is all women, which they do talk about in their mm-hmm. their kind of overview thing, um, and so that that's why I was thinking about War and Peace um, later. But I I thought that was interesting, which is a terrible word that means nothing. But I I don't know. It's, it's like okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What to, I don't know what to think. Like, I have a hard time believing that 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 seems like biased to me. But I don't know. I haven't listened to all the albums. Um, I haven't listened to all the albums either. Um, I have listened to Cardi B's album and. J.I.D.'s album and Cardi B was like number six yeah. and his was like number which 50. I was, which really surprised me, I'll be honest. Right. So, I mean, I did listen to No Name's album too, which is also very good and probably deserving of the number five spot. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't make the list. So, if I right. made the list, so it would be th- a very different list to be honest. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so Spotify does that for me, though Spotify is kind of uh, a flawed way to represent the music that I listen to because I don't primarily listen to music on Spotify, Mm -hmm. um, but my most listened to album was various artists, songs inspired by the movie Black Panther, um, that was my top listened to album of the year, which most of those people are not women on that album, um, the various artists. Uh, anyway, I, like, I don't know. It seems like NPR's interpretive framework is, I don't want to say skewing their results, but I guess, like, they do talk about it being their own bias and then s- saying how that's definitely not reflected in commercial things. Mm-hmm. I don't like I don't I don't know what these albums are like so I don't want to say they're bad. It just seems like I'm kind of assuming that musical um skill is equally distributed among people. Um so the yeah, just like the odds of the top 10 being women is low if you're assuming a, a uniform distribution of talent. Uh, so then, like... I mean, a year is also a pretty small sample size, though. I mean, it, yeah. it, so it, it is possible. Right. No, it's definitely possible. I don't know. Uh, it got me thinking about, like, NPR's interpretive framework, which I think is... Um, I've been thinking about, like, what's the interpretive framework of right now? Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of vaguely post-colonial slash feminish? What does post-colonial um, mean? I don't know. No one really does. Uh, okay, some people probably say things. Uh, but to me, it, what it means, which is, uh, I hate that I said to me it means this, talking about like a movement of things. But it's kind of loosely defined. But the values of it are hearing previously 
excluded voices. Okay. So, um, which I think is NPR's uh, interpretive framework. So, as I, I said to you, like, I was comparing their list to, uh, I think it was Pitchfork's, like, top albums of the year. And they're, they have very different lists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the rap, al- rap albums that are, or hip-hop albums that are on the list for NPR, they seem to be like, what's the most interesting album this year? Not like other factors, like what was the sickest flow this year or something. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what Pitchfork wants. I mean, that makes. I mean, it makes sense though. Like, I wouldn't expect NPR to be going into that. I would expect them to be looking at what is their what was the big fancy phrase that you used? Uh, interpretive framework. Interpretive framework. I would expect them to, like, give their top 50 albums within that framework, not in, within the framework of, like, which is the best, like, beats or best music or... Because that's right. not As what NPR M- should. That's not what NPR's coming from. That's not the point they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting... Um, I thought it was interesting as a list and because of how it's different from other lists. Um, You know what I mean? You mean other top albums list? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think I'm maybe less surprised. I wouldn't expect them to talk about which is the best musically. I would expect them to talk about which one has the biggest impact on society or biggest impact on is that their is that their point though is that npr's point or their point of the top 50 albums like what's npr trying to achieve with their top 50 albums are they saying these are the albums that we thought were the best these are the albums that we thought were the most interesting these are the ones that you should listen to the most because those are all very different right i think that they're saying these are the list these are the albums that have impacted or or capture the essence of 2018 the best and you should listen to them because they will help you understand life in 2018 mm-hmm. but at least that's how I was yeah. that's how I was reading the list mm-hmm. so it it is it is interesting how so I listen Janelle Monet's album Dirty Computer is the top album according to NPR uh, of the year and their blurb starts with the words Toni Morrison, which I think is a very appropriate words to start the blurb with. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Toni Morrison is the Nobel Prize winning author of novels such as The Beloved and Sula. Um, So, uh, Dirty Computer is like more third wave feminism than most things that I listen to. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, so it... It was weird listening to because it's like it's like kind of poppy, but then also like like feministly sexual liberated in ways that I, you know, most 
lots of hip hop albums are not. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there's this one song where she just starts rapping, and I'm like, oh, I didn't expect that. And then, uh, yeah, it was it, like it's pretty good though. Um, but it, it, I think it's if we're talking about things as do they best capture 2018, it definitely does because mm-hmm. uh, it, like it's very aware of Trump. Uh, things Trump has said about women, her gender, and race at this moment in time, mm-hmm. and like what it what it means to be American. So the last song in the album, I think, is it's called "We Are Americans" or something, um, and it's saying that like women and people of color, they're not the threat to America; they are America. Um, it's called just Americans. Um, so anyway, uh, I don't. So to me, best captures twenty. To say that like the best album is the album that best captures twenty eighteen is different. Just you mean say that it's the best album? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think that to say the album that best captures 2018 is necessarily the best album of 2018. But I would but that that's the framework that I was going into the NPR's album list with. Mm-hmm. Because NPR does it's, they're not a music thing. They're not going to like Yeah, but they like hire music people. Uh sure. But like they're still not predominantly music like I, I i'm not going to go to npr to figure out what's the new latest and greatest music i'm going to go to npr mm-hmm. to figure out okay this is the music that's going to help me better understand the socio-political atmosphere of america in 2018 that's probably true um and it was the year of the woman so i guess that um accurately reflects the political and social temperature like if you know what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was really interesting to look at they did a a listener's picks uh compared to their picks there was a lot of overlap which i think is just because npr is biasing its own readers and listeners um so they both had the same top three but in a slightly different order um the biggest change between the two lists was uh, number nine on the listener's picks was Kid See Ghosts by Kid See Ghosts, which is a collaboration of Kanye West and uh, Kid Cudi, mm-hmm. which I, I think I talked about on a previous podcast. I think so. um, and Kid See Ghosts does not appear on the NPR list of 50 best albums. Interesting. Um, which I, I, I did think it was interesting because of how, like, Kanye has done things that I think would uh, disfavor him in the people that are picking best albums for NPR um, this year. Fair enough. I can see that. Um, but I also I I question the 
the top, the nine spot for Kid See Ghost. Because if you remember what I talked about the last time, the first song on it has like a minute long of Kanye making machine gun sounds with his mouth. Um, so, so I I listened to this album right before I this was before I had listened to 808s and Heartbreaks mm-hmm. and anything by Kid Cudi, and I was like, I hear these people are good. Let's check oh, this no. out. Put on the first song. And I'm like, this is so stupid. What, what is going on right now? Um, so that cut that that didn't help me like the album. But I I think Kidsy Ghost is like, there's one great song on that, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, some other mix up between the list. Uh, Cardi B fell a lot. Pusha T was actually on the list and he didn't make it on the other ones um j- like hip hop is just better represented on the uh listeners list also lord huron is better represented somehow lord huron was my top artist of the year really oh okay that's probably cuz the black panther soundtrack is various artists yeah um, that makes sense lord huron was my top top uh artist of the year followed by Kendrick Lamar Followed by Childish Gambino. This is like I'm looking at the Spotify rap thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that seems right. Mm-hmm. Childish Gambino was the song of the year with uh, this, is this is America, which I thought was uh, appropriate. Mm-hmm. Though it, it, I mean, that also falls into the like, how do we best represent America in 2018? Right. Right. Which I think is, I assume that's the goal of This Is America. I think so. Especially in the time and like situation that it came out in, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I'm reading these lists, and because it's December, everyone's putting out top lists of everything. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm reading all these lists, and I was having a conversation with Anthony from Pittsburgh. Um, I forget when, but I was talking about War and Peace, as I often do. And I was telling him that I wanted to read War and Peace again, and he said I should. Um, and I said, I don't know, I feel like I, I need to read other things that I haven't read before. Um, and he says that, no. You don't really have to. Um, so I was thinking about that a lot, and then I went to the book sale, as I typically do. Mm-hmm. And I go to the classic section, and in the classic section, there's this old beat-up copy of War and Peace. And if you're familiar with my copy of War and Peace, one... It's beautiful. How? And second, um, there, there are two things I don't like about my copy of War and Peace. The first one is the cover no offense Zach from State College he gave me War and Peace for Christmas in 2015 so like I really appreciate the gift that was a great Christmas from Zach from State College by the way he gave me Crime and Punishment Moby Dick and War and Peace so hats off to Zach in 2015 and now um, and today well yeah but that was like that well, that was like peak gift giving from Zach. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll peak in the future, but I mean, Zach's a pretty good gift giver. I'm not gonna lie. 
No, that's true. He's probably the best um, of us, to be honest. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Anyway, I don't like... Th- so, thanks for the gift, but I'm going to complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, it was like a life-changing Just the gift. cover's weird. These are just like quibbles with that I have right. with, with the cop. I don't like the cover because there's people on it. I feel the same way about shirts. Don't put people on them. That's weird. <laughs> Especially book covers, though. Because I feel like books in their best are really their, uh, their collaboration between you and the author. Um, it's, like, it's like you're producing the, the movie kind of for mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want some random artist from who knows where Influencing putting this picture of Natasha and, and Prince Andre on the cover for mm-hmm. me. Ugh. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing that I don't like is that it needlessly anglicizes lots of the names, like a barbarian. Like, I don't want to read about Prince Andrew Bolkonsky. No, it's Andre Bolkonsky. The emperor of Russia isn't Paul. It's Pavel. Wow. Anyway, I'm sorry. Those are those are things. Those are my very nitpicks of the edition of War and Peace that I have. So, the one that I found at the bookstore solves all my problems. The cover is a dead tree. And a rainbow. Backed by a rainbow. <laughs> um, kind of looks like the so, Whomping Willow. It's a great cover. You might not think that from the way it sounded, but the a dead tree is my favorite metaphor from War and Peace. Um, and it anglicizes none of the names. Even Mary or Marie, uh, sometimes they'll like be like good about not anglicizing names and then whoop slip Mary in instead of Marie. Sorry. Boo. Dumb. Or um Yeah, just like spelling things the non Russian way. This doesn't do any of that. It even spells Alexander with a K. So I don't even know. It how solved you all my problems. Um instead of the X. Uh so uh, I picked up this copy of War and Peace, and I've been reading it again. It's still great. Anyway, why was I saying this? Novelty. So thinking about this, and all these top ten lists, like, what are we going to remember? Like, how many albums are we going to remember from this top 50 list mm. that had an impact? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that's going to be different for everyone. Right, but I don't think it's gonna be a big number of these albums, you know. Mhm, mhm. So, so what you're trying to get at is like, is what is new important or what is novel important? Or, yeah. So like the way I read books is very different than the way I listen to music. Because, mm-hmm. so, like, with books, I know there's new books coming out all the time, but I, I kind of want to be removed from, like, what's new in books to give it time to, like... Figure out what's going to be Simmer. Good. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I don't want to read... I can't read everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I want to invest in... The books that I think are the best. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there's like there's so many old books to read that I think are still valuable. And the way I view music is completely different. Like to me, a book from the '70s is like brand spanking new, mm-hmm. just like fresh out of the box. The author might still be alive. Um, <laughs> like if I if I read a book from the '70s, that would be like remarkable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I listen if I listen to music from the '70s, it would also be remarkable. But in the completely opposite direction. Right, right. Like, I don't value music from the 70s because I just, like, assume it's old. Uh, snoozer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, like, books, I'm like, oh, it just came out. L- let's get a, some seasoning on that before uh, I, uh, you know, subject it to my reading. Yeah. So... Should we, like, why do we view music, and I view books differently, um, and should we be more um, discerning with how we listen to music? Um, well, I think, first off, probably, I, I don't want to project onto everybody what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there are probably people out there who are maybe the exact opposite or somewhere in between. Yeah. Where no, they read true. a lot of new books and or they don't care about new music and they just listen to old music. Even young people. Um mm-hmm. So I don't know, that's my that's my initial thought. But regardless, I think that the idea still applies because I think that there are things that and, and maybe that's not true, but I think things that we do see as like, okay, I want the newest and latest and greatest. You could even think about TV shows, for instance, maybe. Or movies. Mm-hmm. Movies is a mm-hmm. good one. We want to see the newest movies, but like, why? For instance, this this past week I had lunch with my friend Dave, and um, somehow we got... Dave's like 70. Uh, He's, yeah... 60 or 70. I don't actually know how old he is. Um, But he was saying, because for some reason we got talking about old movies, and he was saying that he and I need to watch Casablanca because I've never seen it before. And then Mm -hmm. I found it at Goodwill, and so I was like, Dave, I got it. We we need to watch it together sometime. And he said, okay, great, we're going to make time. But he, what he told me was, what, what did he, what was the exact... I've, I just want to say, Zach, here's looking at you, kid. I know you were thinking. you got to get that in there. I was thinking about it when I was talking to Dave about it. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he said something along the lines of, I don't know, it wasn't until after I watched Casablanca that I was like, this is the movie that all movies are based off of. Like, yeah. like why am I even... Um, like, why am I watching other movies when this movie does it perfectly? And I remember having mm-hmm. that same thought about after I read 1984. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I yep. was like, wow, essentially all of these, like, YA post-apocalyptic novels are just different versions of 1984. Um, Worse versions. 
Yeah, I mean, 1984 isn't really a young adult novel, so I decided not to say worse. I decided yeah, to say different. Yeah, that's true. So, um, I decided to say worse because I judge everything. And so I think there... So I'm going to say in general maybe we should be more lenient towards that way where we say let's get back to the roots a little bit and see again i don't know if i believe this or but this is why i'm just going with this but so in this example we're talking about how we want to listen to the newest music or for if maybe you don't care about music and you care more about movies let's watch the latest movies maybe we do need to say okay where does this music come from why let's get an appreciation mm-hmm. for that because most likely the music I'm listening to now, I, I can almost guarantee it. I don't know the answer, but what I'm listening to now, the the roots of it and where everything's coming from has already been done, and it's somewhere else right. in probably a more perfect and better form. I, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. So I think... Wow, I'm just... What? That was just like a, a really Plato sentence you just said, though. Wow. So I got to be Plato today? Yeah, congrats. <laughs> okay, you said you said it probably already exists in a like better and more perfect form. Uh-huh. And even just like the word form is just like great for Platonists. So, congrats, Plato. Great. Um so I think that's probably true to some extent, but I also don't want to um lose the new take on things. Um mm-hmm. because I think like yeah, these stories are, in some ways, there are new, no new stories to tell, or there's no new music to write, or uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but to some extent, I think it maybe is. Um, but I, but I, I think that the new things are important because there are new experiences um, or different perspectives, um, and so just because maybe. The Hunger Games is just a worse version of 1984 to some extent. That doesn't mean it can't also be good in its own right, and we can't take things mm-hmm. away from it that I would have never taken away from 1984. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it is a tough balance for me because I like I want to give books time to know whether I should read them or not, but I also don't want to be like late to someone mm-hmm. you know what i mean like if, if someone's like alive and publishing things and they're really good i want to be on that so i can you know be a book hipster and uh you know be on the pulse of things mm-hmm. um but so i i watched a video about classics in hip-hop where uh the guy who was talking he's older so he's uh you know an old head as they would say uh so he's complaining about people always declaring things to be instant classics and then immediately listening to the next thing that comes out and not actually listening to things from you know 10 years back that are classics mm-hmm. uh it's, so I, th- I think we're we have a tendency to to do that and our cultural interpretive framework and social media biases us to things that are immediate um like novel in 
merely the sense that they are new. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think what we want are things that are novel, not just merely being new, but introducing something that's um, new. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if that makes any sense at all. No, no, I think it does because like temper like not temporally new but like ideally new mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think there is some to some extent that we want something that is new that we haven't heard or read before right but i think what you're saying is probably m- maybe more true and deeper that we want we want that new idea or the that new experience or that new thought um mm-hmm. or or rather kind of a new take on an old thought maybe or mm-hmm. a new spin on on something that is ingrained and just natural or something that we just naturally understand but here's a new take on it mhm yeah, so I, uh, for me, I think of, like, things that, like, were impactful for me in, in looking at the world. Um, and so, like, Ecclesiastes was, like, really impactful for me, mm-hmm. and that's ancient. Um, and then, like, Notes from the Underground was also, like, a change, uh, like, a game changer for me in things that I read, and that's... 1863 um but like reading it for me was novel it was like i hadn't read anything like it before and then when i listened to um fear by kendrick lamar i don't know how comfortable i am comparing these three just i'm just put that out there Mm -hmm. but like for me that was that was something it was new like it came out in 2017 but it was also like novel to me because it's like oh wow I have no idea what it's like for lots of people mm-hmm. um, so I, I like to me that's like that's the good thing about that's the good that can come from post-colonial values like uh, can we hear from people that we haven't heard before and that changes the way we think about things mm-hmm. um, and it lets us better appreciate um, the complexities of life mm-hmm. um, though uh, w- one thing that I've been thinking a lot about this is kind of a tangent but like how well like is it good to try to fully represent people through art because I, I, right, like if if the goal of like post-colonial art is to represent this group or represent a person through a book or a song or a movie or something, I like you can't really fully represent someone through a non-person. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, I just it. I just been thinking about like the limits of books recently. But that's not that important. Um, I mean, yeah. I think what I would say. I is think it like, is important, but it's not important to try. this podcast. 
Yeah. Right, but I like I don't think we should replace it like it's not enough to like oh I read a book about the experience of mm-hmm. uh Somalian immigrants. Like that's not a complete picture of Right, right, right. Um But anyway, yeah. I I thought NPR's list was fun. I thought comparing their listener list was fun. Uh I thought my Spotify wrapped was fun. Mm-hmm. Though I wish Amazon Prime did a similar thing. Agreed. Although it, mine would, yeah, I don't know what mine would say. It'd be interesting. But yeah, I think I think that's going back to the idea of new and novel. Uh, so you're talking about, um, or you're naming Ecclesiastes and Notes from the Underground and Fear. I was thinking about. Um, just like the Chronicles of Narnia, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how... I read them and listened to them growing up, and they had one meaning to me then. And now listening to them again, just how like even greater meaning they have, I think, mm-hmm. just because of the way that they're able to take these ideas and, and things from the Bible, essentially, that I know and present them in a way that changes how I think about them or or puts it into a different context and just grasps my... Yeah, it just it grabs me in a different way and, and makes me think about it differently. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, go ahead. And even this, like, I feel... Uh, like how I was saying, like social media biases us towards things that are new. Mm-hmm. Even I feel like this podcast. I love doing recommendations, but I also feel like I need to have done something new between now and next week so I can talk about it on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, like when uh, Zach from State College was on, he said, "Oh, we've never plugged um, classic crime." classic crime but they i was like oh well they hadn't done anything new Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. while we were on the podcast so i like i love the classic crime uh but i didn't like i didn't talk about them because i didn't have a new experience with them uh during the run of this podcast which is not very long in the scope of human history Mm -hmm, mm um so yeah it's something to think about as we're reading our best of 2018 mm-hmm. so people talk about sorry should we offset like the the grammys by 10 years i was thinking about that like i i thought the grammys were like yeah I, I don't know i i wasn't like i thought the picks for the grammys were like okay mm-hmm. um and then looking back at like the 2008 grammys um graduation by kanye didn't win album of the year um i don't know what the album was that won album of the year but i think that like graduation had a larger impact Mm -hmm. on the world uh so but is impact the same as best depends on who you ask right um taylor swift was also not the best art new artist of the year and it's just like come on now 
hindsight. Right. So uh, my final question would be like, what what is our takeaway then? Like, what is our moving forward? What's what do we take away from this? Um, I don't. I think I think it's just like it's okay to take it slow. Like the the things that you like, do it. Yeah, like. Um, like appreciate the things we have and be discerning about the new things we're getting. Mm-hmm. I was actually really shocked. So we were actually playing Stardew Valley, so I was part of the conversation when Anthony said, if you, if you want to read it again, do it. I was shocked that he said that. And I'm not sure, and, and I could be wrong, but I'm not sure if you would have asked Anthony that question 10 years ago or five years ago, he would have had the same answer for you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that that's like really good. I, I think too often we do think we need to find something new or find something or, or follow the latest trends or, or do whatever. But I think what he was getting at is that like, if you think this is good and this is going to impact your life and this is going to... Yeah, open your... I don't know. I don't know what he was all saying. But why look for something else that might not be as good or or yeah. have as great yeah. of an impact on your life if if you already have something that is? And, and I think it's not a bad thing to look for new things or to be... We should definitely be open to finding new things that can impact our lives. But I think it's okay to say... Hey, this this album or this movie or this this book is really good and and it's really impactful to my life and I it's I think it's okay to enjoy that. I mean, mm-hmm. like there was a lot of I took in a lot of new things this year and I will remember some of them, but I will definitely forget most of them. Mhm. Mhm. And I, I mean, I listened, I literally listened to the Harry Potter books on audiobook, like just on repeat. And sometimes I think maybe I should um, do it at work because in a lot of ways it's easier to listen to an audiobook you've already listened to while you're trying to focus on something else. Um, but in some ways I'm like, maybe I should listen to something else. But in other ways I'm just like, there's lots of good stuff in these books. Like, I'm going to keep listening to them. Mhm. Yeah. So, so I don't to like say to, I'm going to quote Kendrick Lamar here. Um <laughs> it's the song Absol Outro and uh I, it was challenging to me because I'm 23 mm-hmm. and also like it's good. He says, "See, I spent 23 years on earth searching for answers till one day I realized I had to come up with my own. I'm not on the outside looking in, I'm not on the inside looking out. I'm in the dead center looking around." Um so it's like I felt like I spent last year, 2016 and 17, just like reading as much Russian books and old books as I could, like thinking all the answers were going to be there. And all the answers aren't there um, mm-hmm. because I don't know if all the answers are anywhere. Um, so like... 
yeah uh i don't know what i'm like where i'm going with that but it's just like looking at new things like what are my expectations going into these new things and like don't put your faith in something new having the answers because no one has had all the answers mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of people who have been alive mm -hmm. and a lot of them have been really smart they're not even if even if they haven't been a lot really smart they've also experienced a lot of things yeah i don't yeah i don't know if that uh i think it kind of makes is... sense i think okay good i, I think a lot of times we do put our hope in new things or old, th even old things, right? Like, we put our hope in that we can find the answer somewhere. And mm -hmm. and I, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think it comes down to faith, so. Most likely. Anyway. Now to transition into recommendations for this week. Um, I don't know the thing. So uh, I've just been reading War and Peace this week. Um, though I did listen to I listened to Dirty Computer, which I talked about, and uh, I've already talked about JID's album and No Name. Um, Yeah, I don't know. This is America. I've already recommended it. But... Think of something old that you would recommend. Yeah, okay. Um, I can go while you think if that's if that's helpful. There's lots of old things to recommend, so go for it. Well, I didn't really think about this when it happened, but this week I, I've been listening to my old iPod from middle school and high school, and... Somehow this week I ended up listening to uh, Five Iron Frenzy a lot, um, which which is a throwback, um, but also really good. Um, they're also kind of strange, so if you end up listening to them, they're a little strange. Um, they're a ska band from the 90s and early 2000s. Um, if you're not familiar with what ska is, Just Google imagine it. strange... And you're there. It's probably maybe not as uh, maybe it is strange, but anyways, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that um, as I was listening to them, again, you think about lots of different things. Now that I'm 25 instead of 15, and so what they're singing about and the 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 things that they care about and what what they're bringing forth have a lot different meaning now than what they did before. Um, I don't know. just thought it was interesting to reflect on that as well as just enjoy music I haven't listened to for a long time. Um, I was also listening to Old Switchfoot today, which I definitely recommend. I was listening to Learning to Breathe, the album. Mm. It's just it's, it's a good one. So... If you don't want to take those recommendations, my recommendations were listen to music that you enjoyed listening to five to ten years ago but haven't listened to in a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I have talked about War and Peace a lot. I don't know if I've officially recommended it, but I'm just going to talk about War and Peace for a little bit okay. here. Hope, 
Oh, if you guys ever want to, um, just like hear about War and Peace for an hour or so, let me know, cause I could do it. But War and Peace is amazing. Um, it's just like everything is great, and what I love about it is Tolstoy doesn't care how long the book is, mm -hmm. which lets these people like grow um, in ways that make sense to me. Because uh, what, what I don't like a lot about plots is they often feel like plots um, and that people are doing things in order to get somewhere. Um, but I, I never feel that way in War and Peace because um, – so Kurt Vonnegut, he really liked plotting people's trajectories um, in stories. So like if you start low and then go high and then end low – that's the that's the classic tragedy arc. Mm -hmm. So he liked making these plots, and he says the best plots are ones that are just a flat line. The character is doing things, but you have no idea if it's good for the character or not. Um, and so I think that's like all the characters in War and Peace, mm -hmm. all the time. And then, but they're like they are they're just like slowly changing as things happen to them and. They get older, uh, they fight in wars and fall in love, um, and you th like you think things are getting better, but you don't really know. And there's like points that like should be life changing for people if it was a normal book, but they're kind of are, and they just like kind of swing back and forth to growth and then regression. It's just like it's large enough to to contain more of the complexity of humans and how we change and how we maybe become better um, throughout our lives uh, in really great ways like these characters have like epiphany moments and then things kind of change but not really it's like they want them to change but they don't know how and I think that's like really true to life mm -hmm. um, where even if like something really important happens that you remember in your life and you're like, wow, I need to change everything. But you don't know how to change those things. And then it's easy to fall back into um, just whatever you were doing by default. Mm -hmm. um, and like all the characters you can just compare them to each other all the time and say like oh how how does andre relate to nikolai at this moment like how how everyone is foiling off each other um and then they change where they are in relationship to each other just cuz the book's so long it's it's great everyone should read war and peace the length is not the length is not a hindrance. It's a benefit mm -hmm. to War and Peace because Tolstoy is great. Well, there you have it. I could talk longer, but oh, I know. <laughs> I shouldn't. <gasps> War and Peace. Tolstoy. Lev Nikolaevich Tolstoy. If you want to be really pretentious about it. Well, if, if you Google Tolstoy or put it into Amazon Prime. 
Yeah. You'll find it. Hopefully, if you Google War and Peace, the good, like, the real War and Peace shows up. Probably should. Probably will. Anyway. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Tune in next week if you want. Yep. We will see you next week. Bye.